You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. was when Jesus was the strongest, when he was on that one-on-one. You have that opportunity every day in your daily lives to have that one-on-one with somebody, that divine appointment that God sets in front of you. Talk to this person. Show this person God's love. Help out this person. Do something nice for this person in the name of Jesus. Let them know about God through you. Let them see your life and let them hear your words. Let them make the decision. It's a wonderful thing. If the thought of leading your family to Christ overwhelms you, start with just one person. As Pastor Dave shares in today's study, Jesus was his strongest in one-on-one relationships. Be real with one person. Go out of your way to share love with one person. Don't let the thought of impressing everyone get in the way of one relationship. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 16 as he continues his message, Responsibility to Rejection. You are Holy Spirit will be with them and in them and upon them so they won't stumble when the persecution comes, Jesus is saying. They will be his witnesses. You know what's really interesting? The word witness. The word witness in Greek is martoreo. That's where we get our word martyr. It's where we get our word martyr. So to be a witness for Jesus Christ is the word martyr. Think about that. Has a little different meaning for you and I, right? But you will be my witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. You know, I go back here all the time, and and you'll have to excuse me, but I love what John says in his first epistle about being with Jesus in the beginning. I just love it because it's so personal. It's so true, and we can have that same thing. John says in 1 John 1, that which was from the beginning, he's talking about Jesus now which we heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. Look at 5. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. I love that. I just really, I I get a sense of closeness from that. I get a sense of, of intimacy from that. When John is telling you, listen guys, we were with Him. We got to touch him. We got to hear him speak. We we got to sit with him. We knew him. We were with him for three long years. We've heard it from the beginning. We were one of the first ones called. We were with him. So now I'm explaining it to you. And I'm telling you, this is not some fairy tale. This This is real. This is true. John is saying, I was there. I saw it. I just love that about John. 
And now John is carrying out the Great Commission by writing this letter. I want to tell you about him. I want to tell you about the light that has come in the world to cover the darkness, but the darkness didn't comprehend it. I want to tell you about that. This light that came in the world was Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about Jesus Christ. What a wonderful testimony here. Jesus says, your responsibility is to be my witness. I want you guys to be witness. And oh, by the way, you're going to be rejected. Huh? Look at chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they do, they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. These things I have spoken to you. What things? Well, you're going to be hated by the world. You're going to be persecuted. Why did he tell them these things? So they wouldn't stumble when it came upon them. So they wouldn't fall and be offended when it happened to them. He didn't want them to be caught off guard. For the most part, the disciples are still expecting the kingdom to be set up at any moment. They're still living in la-la land. They don't really realize what's going to happen. They think that Jesus is going to set up his kingdom. And they're still arguing about positions of glory. I'm better than you. Am not. Am too. Nuh-uh. Yuh-huh. They're arguing. They're, 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 they're acting like crazy kids. Basically, Jesus is telling the disciples that, hey, the road's going to lead to glory, gang. But it's not going to be a glory road. The road is going to lead to glory, but it's not going to be a road. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hated. You're not going to be honored and loved. You know what's sad is many of us have a false expectation of the Christian life. We are living in a world that is in rebellion to God. Men have chosen the life of flesh over a life of God. Just look at the political arena. Just look what's happening in the political arena itself. People who are vying for power and control over this great nation of ours. A lot of them think that what is evil is good and what is good is evil. Just think of what's happening. Somehow we still get shocked when we hear of these evil things, when man makes a deliberate choice. And somehow we feel that given a choice of good and evil, just like in the cartoons, Man always chooses good, but that is not scriptural. That is not scriptural. Even Jesus said, men love darkness. Why? Because light exposes their sin. Even Jesus knew that, that men loved darkness. Here we are back to don't stumble. And this is a different word. This is called scandalathron. It means not a stumbling which might trip you up, but a spring of a trap that might catch you off guard. That's what he's talking about here. Jesus is warning his disciples of the coming oppression because he didn't want them to be surprised when it happened. He knew they would not immediately leave the synagogues. Read the book of Acts. Where did they go to worship? The synagogues. They always went to the synagogue. Even Paul went to the synagogue first. He knew they wouldn't leave on their own, but he knew they would be thrown out he knew that they would be forced to leave, but the Holy Spirit witnesses to us and through us during these times of persecution. The Spirit testifies of Jesus Christ. The Spirit brings to our minds that we are experiencing the sufferings of Christ. We talked about this before in Philippians when it says the power of his resurrection, yo, and the sufferings of his fellowship, the fellowship of his sufferings, and nobody wants that. 
It's part of the Christian life. Part of the Christian life. There's no reason for us or any disciple to be stumbled during the times of persecution, even when the fire is turned up. In fact, Jesus is telling these guys that they should expect persecution. The Lord said, it'll come. Interesting statement here is the one that says they think they will be serving God. They think they will be serving God. And when they kill you, I love that. When they kill you, they think they'll be serving God. Isn't this the epitome of what the Apostle Paul did before he became the Apostle Paul? He was, thinks he was serving God by killing Christians and taking them up to Jerusalem. He thought he was serving God. He said, these people will persecute you they, they, because they don't know the Father and they don't know me. These things I said to you, they will do this. Notice he says they will do this, not that they might happen. And truly, what things happen? Does anybody know the life ending of the apostles? What things happen to them as Jesus is talking to these 11 guys? Well, if you look at the book of Acts, it starts with Stephen. Stephen was stoned to death. He became the first martyr. King Agrippa has James, the brother of John, beheaded. Paul was scourged, thrown in the prison, and afterwards crucified. Matthew took the gospel to Parthia and Ethiopia, where he was killed. James, the brother of Jesus, who wrote the epistle, was beaten and stoned by the Jews. Matthias, remember him? He was stoned at Jerusalem and then beheaded. Andrew was crucified on the cross. Mark was dragged to pieces by the people of Alexandria. Peter was condemned to death and crucified, according to some of the early writings at Rome. We know that Peter requested to be crucified upside down, according to, to tradition. Paul was beheaded. Jude was crucified. Bartholomew carried the gospel to India, where he was killed. Thomas carried the gospel to Parthia and India, where he was killed. Luke was hanged on an olive tree. Simon the Zealot was crucified. You get the picture of what happened to these guys? Nowhere in any of the epistles or gospels or any of the writings do you ever hear of any of these men denouncing or recanting their faith in Jesus Christ? Not one of them do you hear it. Even the Apostle John. The Apostle John was thrown into a big pot of oil. They tried to boil him to death. Somehow he escaped by a miracle, but then they banished him to the island of Patmos, praise God, which is where he got the revelation and wrote the book of Revelation. All of them suffered persecution. All of them suffered hatred. All of them suffered death because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Why will they do these things? Why will they do those things to us? Because they don't know the Father and they don't know Jesus Christ. The true church of Jesus Christ has suffered persecution throughout the years. And brothers and sisters, they are still suffering persecution right now. Christian brothers and sisters in Syria, Nigeria, North Korea, China, those places where they are under tremendous persecution, even to the point of death, even to the point of death. They're still suffering. And all of this comes from religious zealots, people who think they are defending their God. So Jesus gives us a responsibility to bear witness of him even in the midst of persecution and rejection. And then he encourages us by saying, 
Remember the things I said to you. Look at verse 4. But these things I've told you that when the time comes, you may remember what I told you then. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Jesus knew the disciples were on overload. He knew there wasn't any way they were going to remember all these things that he was telling them. They were going to be able to grasp what he was trying to tell them. But he also knew that the Spirit would bring into remembrance these things as they went on. So he didn't say these things in the beginning because he was going to be with them for three years. But now he was leaving. Take heart, my friends. Take heart, my brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you also. He will bring into remembrance the things that you have been taught, the things of God's word. He will bring into remembrance and even give you words to say. As I said, it is nothing more than a marvel that these disciples accomplished all that they did. A marvel that they accomplished all they did. And you have to wonder how did they accomplish this. Please turn with me to Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, it's an interesting simple verses here. Right before Jesus was taken into heaven... He gets with them, and it says in Acts 1, verse 4, And being assembled together with them, the disciples, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, now Jesus is once again telling them, Tarry in Jerusalem, wait in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit is going to come, and, and you will receive that. You will receive this baptism. Listen to their answer. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? <laughs> They're so far off base. They're still thinking that he's going to take names, that he's going to restore the kingdom. He said, wait a minute. I told you what was going to happen. I told you all the things that would happen to you. And then he says to this, it is not for you to know the times of the season which the Father has put in his own authority. But, and here's the kicker, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and at the end of the earth. This is where they receive their power. He was commissioning them in the upper room to be his witnesses. Listen, folks. In the eyes of the world, these men were nothing. They were deemed nobodies. Nothing against fishermen, but five of them were fishermen. All of them lived in one of the most out-of-the-way providences on the eastern shore of the Mediterranean Sea. This little insignificant proverb, these men were just as insignificant. It was unimportant. Nobody cared about these guys, but Jesus did. Jesus called them. Remember, he chose them. Jesus told them that their message was to take the message of the gospel to the world and declare it to every living creature. Immediately, the impossibility of the mission comes to light from a human standpoint. How are they going to do this? How is this insignificant little group going to carry this life-giving message to the world? How are we going to do that? With what purpose? I mean, I'm sure they were scratching their heads saying, wait a minute, we don't have the internet. We don't have telephone. 
We don't have TV. We can't fill big stadiums. We don't have microphones and megaphones. We don't have a band that plays great music. How are we going to reach these people? What are we going to do? I'm sure they were afraid. You might be feeling the same way. You might be feeling today that I can't take this message out. I can't even talk to my family about it. I'm afraid. I can't do it. Jesus wants to give you that power. Because the Lord never commands us to do something that he doesn't give us the capability to accomplish it. Oh, we have a lot of reasons why we can't. Remember Moses? I stutter, Lord. I'll send Aaron. Moses did all the talking anyhow. You can make all the excuses you want. You can tell them all the reasons why you can't do this. You can tell them that you're a failure. He knows that. You can argue with his commands rather than obey them. But they become so foolish on our part. When we discover that, that the Lord never commands us to do anything unless he gives the power to do us, if we will just but obey, if we will take a step out, if we'll receive that power of the Holy Spirit. And we always think, well, we need more people. we got to have more people to do this. If we could just canvas the whole area with people, we got to do it. How many times did Jesus talk to the multitude? Quite a bit. But when was Jesus his strongest? One-on-one, one-on-one. That was when Jesus was his strongest, when he was on that one-on-one. You have that opportunity every day in your daily lives to have that one-on-one with somebody, that divine appointment that God sets in front of you. Talk to this person. Show this person God's love. Help out this person. Do something nice for this person in the name of Jesus. Let them know about God through you. Let them see your life and let them hear your words. Let them make the decision. It's a wonderful thing. Jesus knew that the disciples were going to be helpless. Jesus knows we are helpless without him. He knows that. He told them to wait, to tarry in Jerusalem, to wait until the Spirit empowers them. And once empowered by the Spirit, once empowered from on high, their total life changes. And you can go from Acts 1 all the way through the book of Acts to see their lives completely change. Completely change. That doesn't mean they still don't mess up every now and then. That doesn't mean that Peter still doesn't stand on a roof and say, not so, Lord. That doesn't mean that. What it means is their life completely changes and their witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the outermost portions of the world. You might be saying, well, I don't live in Jerusalem. Well, you don't, but you live in Lower Township. You live in Wildwood. You might live in Mullica Hill. Gotcha. You might live someplace else. That's your Jerusalem. That's your Jerusalem. That's where you begin, in your Jerusalem. We begin here in Lower Cape May, and it spreads. What's neat about this is we're bound by water. It's got to spread north. It's got to spread that way. And we get the middle township. That might be our Judea. And then we get up towards Ocean City in that area and spread out towards Cumberland County. And that might be our Samaria. And then all of a sudden, it's the outermost portions of the world. He's given us the power if we would but ask for it. These guys went out and they taught about Jesus' life. They taught about Jesus' death. They taught about his burial. And they taught about his resurrection. And they said, yeah, and he's coming again. They taught all these things with power and boldness by the Holy Spirit. They didn't go out on their own flesh. They didn't try to make it happen in their own flesh. They couldn't. They were helpless and they knew it. 
It was a simple message of hope, a message of eternal life. Because Jesus rose from the dead, and he repents of his sin and places his faith in Jesus, can have forgiveness of sin. That's the message. He commissioned these first disciples to spread the message, and they did remarkably. They witnessed through their words. They witnessed through their deeds. They witnessed through their lives. They turned the world upside down, and every one of them was persecuted. Maybe that's what you're afraid of, being persecuted, being told no, being rejected. Remember, they hated Jesus. They're going to hate you. Remember that. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you too have been commissioned by the Lord. You too have been commissioned by the Lord. The Lord has called you to be his witness. But do you have the power? I got the power. No. Do you have the power? Thanks for getting that. I appreciate that. I throw these little tidbits out. We'll see who gets them from time to time. That's okay. Many Christians today are still trying to live the Christian life without power. Without the power to do it. Sadly, they're failing miserably. I used to paint during the summer. I used to be a school teacher, and during the summer I painted houses. And people would have these old dilapidated houses that are really, really bad. And they wanted me to paint them. And I would paint them. And they would look great, but it still was an old dilapidated house. Oh, it looked marvelous on the outside, but inside it was still an old dilapidated house. That's our lives without the Holy Spirit. We really look great on the outside, but there's no power inside. We have nothing within because we don't have the Holy Spirit working in us. Lord has called you in the ministry. He wants you to deliver a message of hope to anybody you might come in contact with, but you will need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish this. You may be fearful. You may be weak. You might even tremble at the thought of witnessing. Witnessing, oh my goodness. You might even tremble there. The Holy Spirit will give you boldness. Just look and read the book of Acts. Read the book of Acts. How the Holy Spirit gave them boldness and boldness and boldness to speak in the name of Jesus. When they were being told not to. When they were being beaten. When they were being chastised. But they continued to do it. Even in the face of tremendous odds, they continue to do it over and over again. God wants to use you in a mighty way. Trust in the Holy Spirit. Yield to the working of the Holy Spirit. He will be your strength. He will be your guide. He will even give you the words that you need to say when the time comes for you to speak. But you need to trust and you need to have that power. In the Gospel of Luke, it says, if, what kind of a father would give his son a stone if he asked for a fish? How much more will the Holy Spirit give you the how much more will the Lord give you the Holy Spirit if you just ask? If you just ask. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're treading water. Maybe you don't have the power. Ask today. Ask and be filled. Ask and be filled and then be his witnesses. Be his witnesses as he's called us to be. And answer the Great Commission with a resounding, here am I, send me. Amen? Amen. Sure.
The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at assurehoperadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.